Hello, friends, and welcome to the Bee Church Podcast. I'm Eric Swanson. And I'm Jenny Edwards-Bertrand. And in this podcast, we hope to address the leadership needs of the local church. I cut it right. <laughs> hey, today we are going to talk about why church planting is hard. It's hard? <laughs> Do I, I sound whiny? No, I thought you guys had it so easy. I, I know. You know, um, if you're young in ministry, church planting sounds really attractive. It sounds like the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. If you're old in ministry, it does not. Yeah, you want to coast. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done this when I was 25, but I did not start a church plant until I was 40. I was fully aware what I was saying yes to. There's, in fact, I said no multiple times. Yeah, there's too many beers involved in that yes, I think. <laughs> no, it was, <laughs> it was called um, the uh, persistency of our um, new church start coordinator who uh, contacted me multiple times with multiple scenarios. Nice. All involved me starting a church. Yeah, good. Yeah, so here we are. I owe Mike a burger. All right. <laughs> well, talk about the year zero to year one, if you can, about um, that first, how do you get to the first birthday of a new church start? You know, that's, year zero to year one, it's sort of, you have nothing to lose. Like, once you say yes, once you decide to jump in, um if you have a and you don't say yes unless you honestly have a vision yeah. for something new and this might be a program or another service or it doesn't have to be a church but you have this vision you have this idea and you might even have a sense of all right here's how I'm going to get there and then for that first year before it really even starts you just tell people your vision it's honestly fun yeah that i mean like for fun. me no, it, it sounds fun. definitely exciting. It's really fun. And um, the more you talk to people, you get their feedback, and um, you find out, if in my case, you find out, all right, why I was asking people, connect me. This was really fun. Connect me to people who hate church. Yes. Or who hate religion. Or who hate God. Hold on, you were trying to start a new church that involved new people that don't believe in God? <laughs> you know, that seems obvious, but it's that, let's wait till we get to year four. But year zero, man, that is fun. Yeah. You sit down and just to be, A, to be introduced, usually you're meeting people through other people, mm -hmm. to be introduced as a pastor and just say, can you tell me why, what your impressions of church are? why you stopped going, why you never went, why you'd never go. And then I just take notes like crazy. That's so cool. It was really cool. And what was amazing were the number of people who joined the church who explained to me in detail why they hated church. Wow. Yeah. So cool. That was really cool. So that, that part was fun. And you have to do that long enough to build a group of people who are willing to say, hey, We'll do a week-to-week -week thing with you. Cool. And then you launch a week-to-week -week thing, and that's really hard to, you know, you set up, you tear down, um, but you're doing it for this vision, and you're very passionate about it, and you make it through that first year on pure um, adrenaline. Nice. It's, it's fun. And if you make it then to your first birthday, which 50% of new church starts don't, and I didn't. I didn't know. I knew we had a good vision. I knew our vision was from God. 
I knew that there were a lot of deeply faithful people whose visions were from God, whose church plant didn't make it Mm -hmm. to year one. So we gave God thanks. We made it to year one. That's awesome. And it sort of feels like, okay, we got it. And you kind of do. You do some things. You have some Bible studies. But, um, I don't know, years one through three or four, you get in a rhythm. People start coming. People invite their friends. You think you know what you're doing. Oh, the illusion of success sets in, huh? (laughs) The illusion of success. Okay. Absolute illusion. You know, um, what I discovered is, so like I just said, 50% of churches, new churches, don't make it to year one. Okay. Of the 50% that make it to year one, only 40% make it to year five. Wow. Yeah. Those aren't great statistics. So... Real quick, what do you feel was the success for uh, Hope Church making it past year one? Um, and let's make the assumes out of the way that, you know, it was a called by God, because everyone's going to say they were called by God to start their church, mm-hmm. that you had good prayer life. But what were the things that you felt gave you that, that better Since than 50%? that we made it. Yeah. Um, people continued to come. Uh-huh. We had worship. So dedication and worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, people started going to small groups. Okay. Um, from day zero, we as a congregation tithed everything that came in, though we had very little uh, and we're operating on very little funds. We made sure that 10% of everything that we got went back out mm-hmm. to the Bloomington Normal community. Um, okay. And uh, we, we uh, got a young clergy initiative grant from the um, denomination, which allowed us to add a director of discipleship. We started to put systems into place. Um, and did you build those systems then year two through four? We'll, we'll go to, to we thought we, we thought we did. Okay. <laughs> it felt like we had systems. Okay. Okay. From the outside, people would say we had systems. Okay. Then we get to year four. All right, let's get to year four. Well, we're four not now. quite. No, okay. Year 3.5. Year 3.5. All right, let's get there. Um, things started to transition. Okay, you grew up a little. You hit puberty. Okay, <laughs> here's what happens. Maybe, much like a teenager, yeah. youth, most people think they're invincible. Yes. But then there is that parent that knows self destruction is looming around every corner. Yes. There's so many ways. Well, I, my number one strength on StrengthsFinder, well, is woo. The ability, <laughs> woo, woo. Um, and then my number two is positivity. I have felt like such a Debbie Downer since we've gotten to year 3.5 <laughs> because I see the potential for death and destruction around every corner. And I have this group of people who feel like, we made it. We're good. We're good forever. <laughs> and uh, we haven't made it yet. Yeah. We haven't yet made it to year four. Um, here's another thing that is unique to our particular conference of the United Methodist Church. Um, we get a uh, three-year, and mine was a little bit longer than that, three and a half years, um, uh, gradually reducing grant. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you have money one day and it's gone the next day. But by the end of it, it's at zero. And you have to make it. Self-sustaining. Self-sustaining. 
There are no endowments. There's no, you can't operate in the red. You're either making it or you're not. Yeah. Two options. Okay. So um, right now we're at that point. We're either making it or we're not. And no wiggle room. There's no wiggle room. I'm already, as a pastor, Mm half-time, and I'm the primary breadwinner for my family. I have another half-time job. As you know on the podcast, no, I work at a campus ministry. Um, And uh, we rent a building for four hours a week for worship, so it's not like we can sell a building or... Yeah, the overhead and... The overhead is as low as it can be. Yeah. We just got another, oh man, I look for every grant available. There was a UM Communications grant for um, $2,000 worth of tchotchke. I signed up for that puppy. We have some tchotchke coming. You got two grand worth of tchotchke? Good for you. (laughs) It hasn't come yet. Okay. uh, Yeah, I mean, we try to cut corners financially and um, look for grants. And I'm, uh, you know, half time. But we still want to do everything that we do with excellence because remember back there at year zero, selling that vision? Mm-hmm. It still has to be about that vision. Okay. So it, at year 3.5, you can't be just swimming in this worry of death and doubt and, and <laughs> debt, right? Uh, you still have to have like regular work about like preaching and uh, teaching and discipleship. And, and-, and you have to somehow let people know we still have to be committed to the vision. Yes. It's kind of amazing how old a church becomes quickly. Oh. So Jim and Kim Griffith um, do a boot camp 2.0 for church plants, and they refer to this as premature aging. Oh. Yeah, when a church that's only three years old starts acting like it's 50. Okay. Like, well, we're here. We've been here forever. We're going to be here forever. No. No, just not that long ago you were... (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, our director of worship, who is awesome, just moved with her husband to Minnesota. So she's no longer our director of worship. I sat down with a group of people. We were looking at her job description. And somebody, honestly, it was a great question. They asked the question, well, how did you even come up with this job description? What were you looking for? And I had to say, when we wrote this job description, we didn't have worship. And everyone in the room just kind of looked at me like, no, no, we're that new. She accepted this job before we had a place to worship or worship or a band. We had nothing. And they were like, oh, because they were we were wordsmithing and looking at responsibilities of this job, um, which will become available soon, folks. But it was um they were like, wow, what, what we're going to offer is so different. Well, yeah, we have worship now. Yeah, regular expectations yeah. and ideals and dreams and formalities and all yeah, that Yeah, yeah. Whereas um, at the beginning, it was someone accepting a position for something that did not exist yet. All right. So how do you make the push from year four to year five, which has got to be like uh, the scariest time in your life? It's pretty scary. Yeah. Um. Number one, prayer. Yeah. I know that sounds like the churchiest answer, but when I say prayer, I mean prayer practices have to become regular, serious, and, um, and everyone has to be involved. Well, I, I guess number one is 
you still have to maintain faith that God gave you this vision and that you're faithfully supposed to live it out. Right. That's, that's number one. Because yeah. you start to question yourself. Um, have I not been faithful to God? Have we not done everything that we were supposed to do? That At the beginning, when it's just a dream... Um, and it seems to happen so easily. Yeah. But now there's the reality. Yeah. Here's where we are. Here's the bumps in the road we've experienced. Are we still being faithful to God? Yeah. So understanding that being faithful to God and those bumps in the road are not tied to your faith in God and God's mm-hmm. grace for you as a leader. Yeah, you have to isolate the personalness of you mm-hmm. as Jenny, the, the follower of Jesus, versus right. um, the church and right. its successor is failure. Right, which you have to do at any church. Yeah. But if you come into an established church, um, you are responsible to be the spiritual leader, but you aren't the one that... Every mistake, it doesn't tie back to you. Right. Whereas if you start a church from scratch, anything that's gone well and everything that's not gone well... Your fault. Your fault. Yeah. Yeah. So it's different. And you have to make sure that your personal faith is just rock solid. Yeah. More so than any other time. Yeah. As a slight aside, I actually give that type of advice to everyone who talks to me about preaching. Like, okay. you can't own the results, the good or the bad. You have right. to, like, you can't own them. You have to give them up to God and trust that he'll to. use them. Because if not, you'll never be authentic to the message you're supposed to write. So Exactly. I, I hear that in your leadership talking about leading a, this new church that you have to give it up to God a little bit. You really bit. do. Yeah. You really do. Um, Not that you don't have personal ownership of your work and your responsibilities, mm-hmm. but the overall life or depth of the church is not ultimately just up to you, no, Jenny. Right? it's not. So your own personal faith has to be rock solid. Yeah. And um, for me, that starts with prayer. Yeah. Um, Something that uh, started this fall. I've, I've been in ministry 25 years This after July 1st. That's a long time. Oh, you're not that old yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, st- I actually 15, started when right? I was really young. I, uh, 20. Yeah. I'm just... <laughs> um, so I, I, I started in ministry when I was 20. So I've been doing this a long time. Never have I had a staff do what I'm having a staff do right now. I have both staffs from Hope Church and Wesley Foundation Monday morning, 9 o'clock, we all meet in the prayer room, and we spend an hour praying. No business. No uh, no one has their appointment book out. It's not a couple of prayers at the beginning or the end of a staff meeting. It's prayer for an hour. That's awesome. It is. Leave the phone in the office, hang up everything else, be about prayer. We take off our shoes. Oh, super cool. Walking onto holy ground. Um, our director of worship brings his up for the Wesley Foundation brings his guitar in the room. Jordan, who we're hoping writes a song for this podcast. That's two <laughs> weeks in a row. Who said that? <laughs> Jordan comes in with his guitar, and we start with music. He'll keep playing underneath. Oh, cool! Yeah, and we just pray. We do yeah. it in all different ways, um, but we sometimes. We talk, sometimes we do extemporaneous prayer, sometimes one person is leading us, but um, 
an entire hour of that. In addition to prayer, what other practical advice could you give? Uh, Well, the other thing is, in your first year, especially year zero and then in your first year, you're required to have a coach. It's kind of tied to receiving funding. Um, I have a coach now, and I would say my coach at this point is as important as it was at the beginning. That's wonderful. Yeah. I run everything past him. He has experience in church planting. Um, I talk through everything with him. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would benefit from both both and or a formal coaching experience where they've got somebody who they're paying to coach them, which really could be the ideal because mm-hmm. of the accountability aspect to it. I think a lot of people don't take the accountability seriously if they don't have some skin in the game of the financial mm-hmm. end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but And you make time for it. That's right. And it's only an hour a month, but wow. he knows everything going on. With the church, and he keeps copious notes, and I can just jump right in. Right. So I I would argue for paying for a coach. Yeah. Every in my opinion, everybody needs a coach or a coached relationship of yeah. some type, some type of person that you can call that knows you, mm-hmm. knows your business, but doesn't own the business the same way he you do, do. He doesn't own it at all. He's not a mentor per se. Mm-hmm. Um, He's not just someone I called to feel good. It yeah. is a coach who's paid to know what's going on and to think strategically with me. Yeah. Oftentimes a coach will not make you feel good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Their goal is success, not um, affirmation. Yeah. Call your mom yeah. for some affirmation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Call your friend oh. who's a two on the Enneagram. Get a hug. But st- strategically lead a coach. Yeah, yeah. You want it to heart, call someone else. If you want... <laughs> If you want to help, that's when I'm, you know, the coach is here. That's right. That's right. Uh, but both Eric and I have served not only in the being coach, but in the coaching role yep. as well. So <laughs> <laughs> we're, neither of us rank high on empathy. empathy. Yeah. I love people. I think I've got a, down at like 34 on strength finders. For my empathy is at the bottom. Yeah, it probably is. I, you know, I also had here friends like you. <laughs> All right. Eric is actually a really good person to call, uh, talk through things. Um, I, the congregational development coordinator who helped get me into this mess, he's also very present. Um, in terms of finding resources and, and supporting. Before the show, we were talking, and you brought up Mike for a second. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, and, and just bring this up as illustration, because some of us, we want answers now. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but you brought up an example. Oh, gosh, he's such a good listener. And sometimes he'll hear what I have to say, and he just kind of takes it in. And then maybe three days later, I'll get an email right. saying... Hey, I found this resource. Right. And um, that's, he has some skin in the game for this also. He also wants this to. Yeah, uh, he, he's no longer being paid to make sure that you succeed when you think about that, that role in the relationship. But he helped, the skin in the game is his, I mean, just thinking about it for me as him, if I were him, mm-hmm. I would think my reputation is the starter of it. And also, like, if I start something, I don't care if I've moved away from it. 
I wanted to live. And he's still... And I want to we're, we're still accountable to him. Right. He still looks at that. I think he could shut us down. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. Mike, don't shut her down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but I think he has a lot of influence. I'm not worried about that, but um, if he thought that we'd gone off track, gone off the rails, or um, were... <laughs> we'd know... <laughs> Any comments about beer and or like hard times, Mike, that are all on me. Don't take them off. There you go. Um, So what other, like we got coaching, we got prayer. um, Hey, your own personal faith, prayer, coaching. And this is something that I just um, started doing. The year before we launched, I made... I created small groups where we read the book of Acts together. Yeah. See, you know, it's starting a church. We can say it's newfangled, whatever. No. We're not reinventing the wheel. What needs to happen in an um, authentic faith community is right there in the book of Acts. Yeah. So I started to reread the book of Acts. And you said you think pastors need to reread Acts at least once a year. Yeah, I think, like me personally speaking, you read the book of Acts once a year, you read at least one of the Gospels once a year, and you pick an Old Testament book to read once a mm-hmm. year. A minimum, people. A like, minimum. You're a pastor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It takes like 90 days to read the whole Bible and suck it up, buttercup, if you can't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but for minimum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that and not for like writing a sermon either, not for like writing a new Bible study or not for because you have to do it, but because you need to do it. And you notice now we need to examine all of our systems and mm-hmm. make sure they're strong. We need to um, look at where we are with staffing and where we need to be with mm-hmm. staffing. But you notice that's not what I talked about. Nope. It is all spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... That's the most important thing. Now, I'm I'm not to year five yet. I don't know the end of this story yet. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm right in the middle of it. But what I can tell you is um, my faith and the faith of the people with whom I'm lucky to work right now, that is, uh, regardless of whether there's a church that becomes 100 or a church that becomes four and a half, Mm the discipleship for those of us that are seeking to do this is um, what we're investing in. Right. I, not at the expense of the systems and the strategies and the communications and the staffing. That's all happening. Right. But undergirded with all of that is a personal faith um, and spiritual disciplines. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And it I- seems obvious. If you're listening to this and you're not a pastor, you're probably like, why are they even talking about this? Clergy are notorious for being the worst at praying. Yeah. For we have a whole podcast set up for doing this. Probably our next one, honestly, friends. To like, talk about prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Like we we go through seasons and we are mm-hmm. ashamed of our rough patches. Mm-hmm. So we hide our lack of a prayer life or of a study life or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when I said at minimum, read those, you know, read three. Yeah. For some pastors, that'd be an improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because they got in a rut and they don't know how to get out. Yeah. Um, or they got so focused on the day-to-day of church life. Yeah. The whirlwind. Yeah. Oh, because the whole Sunday follows Sunday follows Sunday. Yeah. Oh, it it is hard. Um, oh, a, a depth of life in Christ just has to be a part of it. 
Yeah. And then there is one more thing that happened just last week. I came into, um, we do actually have some office space. No one else wanted to rent this space, so we get to hang out there until someone real wants to pay real rent. Yeah, nobody, we, nobody moved near this place. <laughs> <laughs> we get we have this little office space, and um, there is a, there are a couple small groups that meet in there. And after uh, they were meeting on Monday night, Tuesday morning, I saw on my monitor a post-it note that said, Remember the vision God gave to you. Oh, beautiful. Um, that. Like going back in my head to that vision from when we were just starting mm-hmm. has to drive what we do now, even though it's messier and more complicated and there are different people involved. It, it has to drive what we're doing now. And honestly, if you're still listening to this and you're not a new church starter, hear that as well, because God gave you a vision to be a pastor mm-hmm. in whatever context you have. That's right. Whether it was when you were 13 or 35 or 50 or 23, yeah. there was some point where you answered a call and you have to go, when was that? What happened? And own that vision of what God gave you for ministry and that mm-hmm. heart for ministry mm-hmm. and carry it with you. And you keep bringing up the five-year um point for for new church and and i've been praying that you guys make it through there because mm-hmm. i want to see you kicking butt and and doing good for that sounds awkward doesn't it? Uh, but doing great things for the ministry but mm-hmm. my church is 183 i think uh, something years old and it's just as fragile it's just to die a more painful death because um, it, <laughs> it's more established it's and, more established and it could sell more things and it could float more things and that to me makes it more painful than a quick mm-hmm. death um and so for those of you listening who are in my shoes, who are trying to hear what we can get out of your, your comments tonight and your experience today, um, I think we need to hold just as tightly to some of those things and some of that passion and that fire that you speak of so mm-hmm. that we aren't dying a slow death mm-hmm. uh, like so many churches unfortunately do. Yeah, for real. Especially um, given that our culture has shifted Mm-hmm. And uh, it is no longer the norm to be a part of a faith community, but we have something to offer. Yeah. We have something to offer the world. And uh, maybe we're maybe the fact that people won't just show up to church is gonna um, be hold the, us more accountable to being who we're supposed to be. Yeah, I think that'd be actually a big blessing for us. Because I think even though the culture's changed from less people wanting to desiring just to naturally be a part of a church, I find that more people, millennial or um, I'm in that weird age group between millennials and Xers, um, that we want to be a part of something that cares deeply yeah. and, and is committed to something that's serious. And we take our lives, I think, a little bit seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not as frivolous as sometimes portrayed. And I think the church, even if they can't articulate their faith in it in the beginning, the church might hold the avenue as an entry point for them to find that meaning and that depth. Mm-hmm. that they've actually been searching for. Yeah, absolutely. So, so thank you for sharing that depth. Yeah. All right. Well, friends, we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>